Hi, you're tuning into Cat's Storied City Guide. I'm Catherine, and if you recall, last week I had the pleasure of speaking to my dear friend Izzy on her move from Dublin to Rome, and I recommended a double feature, The Belly of an Architect and Cinema Paradiso. But today I'd like to share one of my own stories that stretches through both of the biggest cities in the U.S. I am born and bred East Coast, and so is all my family. Mostly New Jersey, a bit of Hoboken, and with one of our clans hailing from Long Island, you get that good tri-state chorus of, sweetie, how are you? All that traffic, right when you walk through the door on Christmas Eve. And even for the holidays, everyone's still wearing black on black. That's a good part about my dad's side of the family. That fast-paced chatter that makes you feel like you're in my big fat Greek wedding. Except instead of Greek, it's split down the board, Irish and Italian. In New York, go figure. The funny part is that 16 years ago, my dad's sister left housewifedom in Allendale, New Jersey for Los Angeles, California, where she enjoys eating salads out on the bluff, getting blowouts in celebrity salons, and using my dad's face as her before photo when getting Botox. So flash forward, I'm 15 and over a school break, I fly out with my dad to go see my aunt in California. It's the first time my dad and I are traveling together without my mom, a little bonding trip since my mom always had alone time with me. And this was new territory. We had the realization pretty quickly. Like when we get to the gate and dad looks down at me, who's never signed more than a field trip form before, and goes, you got the boarding passes, right? Now my aunt, she lives alone in a gated community out on the bluff, with each line of townhouses stacked on top of each other up the hill so that every patio has a crisp view of the water in the distance. I had my own little room there with white down bedding, a little window onto the flower bed and driveway. And for those few days I was there, I would walk out into the little main living room in the evenings and see the twinkling of other houses along the coast in the dark expanse of the sliding glass doors. We would make pasta and be merry. My aunt would bring out the red wine and the childhood stories, and then more red wine and childhood arguments. And just observing them without other family there, the charisma of two people with a shared dysfunctional childhood home, their banter was consuming. I might have spent my childhood visiting my maternal grandparents' house, but here I got to be the fly on the wall of a past I didn't know. Because they might have been the only family in the room, but the pictures on the walls told stories too. Like my grandparents' wedding photo. Sure, a photo of my mom's mother in her wedding dress had always graced the vanity at home, but I had never seen a photo of my paternal grandparents together, with her jovial posture against the car seat, draped in a satin wedding dress, and his intense gaze as he closes the car door. The same gaze, a few frames over. My dad and his sister are sitting at either side of him. My dad is barely 13 and has the full cheeks to prove it. His sister dolled up in a white frock that screams that though they are Irish twins, she is the baby of the family. It's 1971, and they're at the Copacabana. My grandfather was friends with the biggest loan shark in the garden district at that time. Through a summer of overtipping the Mater D and dating the hat check girl, they had checked out every table in the joint. Between that and their visually fitting in with the scarier clientele, it meant they could snap their fingers and impress their date as the hostess says, of course, right away, sir, and leads them to the table up front like in Goodfellas. That night's dates were surely impressed, though preteen awkwardness and a forced backstage photo op with the performer du jour, Polish Prince Bobby Vinton, was in no way the glamour Barry Manilow sang about. On my aunt's bleached walls, it was just an innocuous family photo. And the figures up there were ghosts that I did not know to remember. On my last night in California, we sat at this picnic bench by the edge of the bluff with some cheese and crackers and watched the sunset. 
It lit up all the windows along the coast with a vibrant orange before the sky mellowed into a twilight barely discernible from the water's surface. Maybe it's just that stretch of coast by Los Angeles fitting into so many movie screens, or the unseasonable warmth for November, but it was one of those nights, and there was a serene giddiness as we walked up through the neighborhood towards my aunt's house, the muffled sound of music in the distance. It was then that I got that pit in my stomach. The night was ending. The sun was set. Our bags were all but packed and responsibilities waiting for us across the country. Just then, as if it were our own soundtrack, we all met each other's eyes and smiled when we realized that the din we had heard was all Tom Petty songs. And maybe it was California idealism, but Dad voiced what we were all just beginning to think. What are the odds? It's actually Tom Petty. Just like that, the night is saved. We have a mission to find out whether we are in the general vicinity of the Tom Petty, of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, or if California has just way better garage bands than the East Coast. In that moment, I follow my dad's spontaneity unquestioningly, while at our side, my aunt giggles at the path towards the music we've just started to take. We head up the road and to the left until we hit the house where all the noise is coming from, a modern white mansion with adults and children spilling out all the entrances and shiny silver balloons with big five O's on them. Now, I don't remember how it started exactly. It must have been my aunt cooing that I looked so well in a crowd of L.A. kids. Maybe that was just her buttering me up, along with all of her other subliminal messages that I should someday move to California to college to be closer to her. It must have been my dad, though, who shifted into egging me on, saying I should just walk right into that party and check out the band. Are you crazy? Tommy, she can't walk through there. She's timid. Don't make the baby do it. I would be remiss if I didn't add here that when my aunt moved away, I was five and afraid of her pool vacuum, and her image of me never really grew out of that. She'll be fine. Just go in. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I was just so tempted by making him proud by not passing up an opportunity for something exciting. Aunt Eileen was taken aback that I would agree, and I was riding the high of peer pressure and potential acclaim. Aunt Eileen was already starting about LAifying me. I was already wearing a gold-threaded Hollister sweater that was always impractical at home for being so flimsy. And partly shielded by a parked car, she was pulling one of the sleeves of my sweater off my shoulder and teasing my hair, while I, not backing down but growing nervous at the impending reality of crashing that event, started coming up with cover stories with my dad. You know, should I be taken? If only the all-female Ocean's 8 had come out at that time, my aunt would have figured herself a regular Kate Blanchett. Yet there was this heist mentality that was looming over me, that if I was caught inside that mansion with adults who sent me in as the innocent party, it was going to look a bit like an Oliver Twist sting operation. But once I felt suitably dressed apart, I walked ahead, glancing back nervously. First, I'm in the yard, no harm there, but I hit the concrete walkway and suddenly feel as though my course has been irrevocably set. I can't turn around without looking uncomfortable or out of place. There's a mother starting to walk her toddler out the door when I approach the doormat. Instead of giving in to my nerves, I double down, nod, smile, and say, hey, how's it going? She smiles back, no questions asked. But the moment I'm through the door, I take it all in in the blur. The kitchen island to my left with decadent cakes and snacks, social groups broken up around the hallway as if meant to be obstacles. And just through the doorway amidst my horror that the guest of honor could be any one of these people and call me out, I panic. My gut instinct is to dart into the dark room next to me, a bedroom. If I were at an awkward family point in a family party at my own house, that's what I would do. 
But the scenario flashed through my mind, some strange kid breaking into a party, heading straight for a bedroom, and surely rooting through jewelry drawers. I could hear the police sirens already. I continued through the house to the backyard. It was the infinity pool of backyards, not large and made smaller with the elevated stage, but you could tell from the deep, dark horizon line that during the day, the place had an unobscured view of the water. The cover band, which I will posit is at least halfway between Tom Petty himself and an overfunded garage band, was lit up by professional-grade multicolored lights and silhouetted by pastel 60s surfboards. It was all cool to see, but nothing when I was alone and couldn't share the experience. So I walked back the way I came, like I owned the place, waiting for what excited me more than the band, my family's approval. My aunt was floored, giggling, I can't believe you actually did that, Tommy. Do you believe she went in there? I thought you'd be in and out. You were gone forever. Yeah, I walked all the way through to the backyard. Oh my goodness, Tom, do you hear this? Said hi to some folks. No big deal. But it was a big deal because my dad was beaming and all the fun of it. Though he was a little distracted because precisely when I walked in, my mom had called him. And in return for her standard, how's the trip going? She got a, we sent Catherine in to party crash at an L.A. mansion and she hasn't come back out yet. Mom thought it was hilarious too. Shocking since it was out of character for me, maybe. But it was in the spirit of a lot of the spontaneity that my mom and dad had always fostered. It was a talk of the rest of the walk home. My dad was still beaming, still proud, when he said what I wouldn't forget from that night that that was something that their dad would have gotten them to do as kids. I think something shifted when I didn't just see photos of my grandparents I never knew, but was told that I carried a bit of them, that a life of excitement and crime could filter its way down the family tree into my dad's spontaneity, and that if I even wound up with just a kernel of that, I could be carrying on some kind of legacy. I wasn't just a fly on the wall on the side of the family I was less familiar with. I was a part of it, and because of just a few minutes of bravery, I had taken on a starring role. So my message from 15-year-old me and 21-year-old me alike is to not pass up on those opportunities that make you feel like you are living a movie, no matter how crazy it may seem. Because the stories that last, the stories that go beyond just the photo gloss, are the ones where you get yourself behind the scenes, even if it's just to see Bobby Vinton. For this week's movie recommendations, I give you Goodfellas and Lady Bird. As always, check out my blog page for New York and Los Angeles for my restaurant recommendations that will make you feel like you have a slice of California here in NYC. And tune into the Spotify playlist for your soundtrack while you visit. Next week, we'll dive into New York again as I interview a student from Paris and get our recommendations on what places here feel like home. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe. And if you have any stories to tell, share them to hashtag storied cities. Until next week.